What if Christ had not been raised from the dead? Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Well, good morning again and happy Easter. The Lord is risen. Hallelujah. As Christians, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord today. The validation of the vicarious sacrifice and death of Jesus, God's love gift to a dying world. Because he lives, we too can live in the power of the resurrected Christ. The man had died on the cross, and they laid him in the tomb. The living stone in the stone, the rock in the rock-hewn room. They left him alone with death and sealed the stone at the door. They made the sepulchre secure and set their watch before. Lest his friend should steal him away, and they say that he arose, they said. But life escaped from death, and the God-man rose from the dead. The skeptical minds of men still think the sepulchre secure. But Christ had said, I will arise, and the counsels of God endure. Still his disciples go to carry the wondrous word. The Lord is risen indeed. We know we have seen and heard. And the two men think so sure, with the seal of their scorn on the door, the place where the Lord once lay is empty forevermore.
must not in our hurried lives forget the cross whereby Christ Jesus died that we might live and find him ever nigh. Yes, Jesus died in agony such as we cannot know, for on his precious head were laid our sin and shame and woe. Between the earth and sky he hung, that he might reconcile our hearts to God and give us life, not only for a while, but for eternity. What great, what selfless sacrifice, that we may resurrection know, since he has paid the price. The cross has crumbled now and lies as dust within the ground, but Christ will live forevermore and grace will e'er abound. No need have we to fear, for he has conquered for us all sin, shame, and death. His life is ours, whatever may befall. Yeah. 
Thank you. And now with this message for this Easter Sunday morning, here's our pastor, Alan Lee. The Christian faith is different from all religions because it is built upon the foundation that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It is not built upon some ancient myth. It is not built upon human reasoning. It is built upon the fact that Jesus Christ actually defeated death, a claim that no other faith or religion dare make or can prove regarding its founder. In fact, if the resurrection can be proved to be false, then Christianity will be proved to be false, because its foundation will then be false. It follows, therefore, that if the resurrection can be established as being true, then Christianity will be proved to be true, the unique, the exclusive faith it claims to be. In light of this, it is reassuring to the Christian on a death blow to the objector that there is more evidence for the resurrection of Christ than for almost any other event that took place in ancient history related to the church. When this evidence is honestly looked at, there can only be one conclusion. The resurrection is a true fact of history. It cannot be refuted successfully. In fact, it has withstood every challenge, every accusations, every charge marshaled against it throughout history. The facts for the resurrection of Christ will stand up, I say, in any courtroom. For instance, by applying the rules of legal evidence to the facts of the resurrection, Simon Greenleaf, one of the most brilliant lawyers of the last century and considered the authority on legal evidence, was actually converted to Christ while trying to refute the claims of Christ's resurrection. Let us examine then a few of the facts concerning the resurrection of our Lord. First, Jesus made the claim that he would raise his body from the grave. John 2.19 he says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now the Jews thought that he was speaking of the great temple that they worshipped in. They could not believe that he could make such a claim, and answered him, it took forty years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it up in three days? But you see, Jesus was not talking about raising up a building. He was speaking of raising his own body. And the text states, he spoke of the temple of his body. What a fantastic claim. With complete confidence, Jesus puts forth the greatest challenge any man has ever made. Destroy my body, kill me, and I will come back to life. Now if there ever was a statement that would discredit Christ, it is this one. Because if Jesus failed to fulfill this promise... Christianity would have died in the first century. In fact, it would have died three days after his death. But Christianity did not die three days after his death. It did not die in the first century. It is still here, in fact, after 2,000 years. It is still here because Jesus fulfilled his promise. He did rise from the grave three days after he died just as he said he would. Now, an honest man will usually only make a promise if he can back it up, one that he can fulfill, because he doesn't want to make a fool or to be called a liar. 
He will promise to pay back to pay back a loan, for instance. He will promise to return something he borrowed. He will promise to do a full day's work for full day's pay. But no man will promise to come back from the dead because he knows he doesn't have the ability to fulfill that promise. But Jesus Christ made that promise, knowing full well that he could fulfill it. He made it, knowing full well that it would be the sign that would prove his credibility. It would be the sign that would establish once and for all that he was God, for only God can give life. But second, Jesus actually died. Now you might ask, why is it important to establish that Jesus actually died? The answer is simple, because if he did not die, then his claim of coming back from the dead would be untrue, because you cannot come back to life if you never died in the first place. For the resurrection to be true, then logic necessarily demands that Christ had to actually die. Now this is the area that the critics of Christianity launched their strongest attack. They have devised numerous theories to try to prove that Jesus did not die as depicted in Scripture, and therefore try to establish the resurrection as a hoax. In doing this, they carry on the tactic of the chief priests of Jesus' day, when they too tried desperately to suppress the evidence. The Bible says that they gave the soldiers large sums of money to lie about the facts of the resurrection, because they knew, like the soldiers, that it was true. They simply did not want the information, the facts, to get out. But here again, the evidence is totally irrefutable. The evidence proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus did actually die. Those who tried to persuade others that Jesus did not really die tried to explain it by saying that Jesus merely swooned or fainted. He only passed out from the torture on the cross. Once he was placed inside his tomb, they say, he revived, joined his disciples, who instantly claimed that he was resurrection. But his explanation is inconsistent with the facts. What do they say? The facts say that Jesus was pierced in his side with a spear from a Roman guard. Out of this wound came both water and blood. Now both water and blood do not come out of a living person, only a dead one. This shows that his heart had stopped beating and his blood was not circulating in his body. He died on the cross. The evidence shows it. The very method which was used, crucifixion on the cross, was used because it brought on death. The Romans meant Jesus to die, and they used the common method of death in their day, crucifixion. The legs of the victim were sometimes broken to hasten death, to make it to be painful for the victim to support himself by his feet and legs. But when the soldiers went to break the legs of Jesus, they didn't because he was already dead. Pilate himself examined the evidence of Jesus' death and pronounced him dead. These were all first-hand witnesses who saw the very body of Jesus, and what they did and said proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was, in fact, dead. It is irrefutable evidence. But on to a third point, and it is simple. Jesus did arise. He defeated death. Now this is the most fantastic claim ever made. But it is not just a claim. It is the declaration of a fact. Jesus defeated death. 
It is a fact that can be backed up by the testimony of eyewitnesses. It is a fact that can be backed up by evidence. In fact, the Apostle Luke tells us that Christ showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. Notice that, many infallible proof. Now, if a proof is infallible, really, you need only one. But here we have many infallible proofs. Who were these eyewitnesses that claimed to have seen Jesus Christ after his death on the cross? The first to see him was Mary Magdalene. There at the sepulchre she stood weeping, mourning the death of Jesus. At first she does not recognize him, but when he calls her name, she instantly recognizes him. She turns, runs off to tell the rest of the disciples what? I have seen the Lord. He then appeared unto the eleven of his disciples. All of them saw him alive. But when they told Thomas, he did not believe them. And here Thomas makes a very important statement. He said, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas was saying that he would not believe that Jesus was alive unless he actually saw him in person. And that therefore he wanted to positively identify him by examining the marks of the crucifixion. To Thomas, these marks would totally prove to him that it was indeed Jesus and not someone trying to pose as Jesus and would prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that it was Jesus himself. Now Thomas has been called Doubting Thomas, but he should have been called Thomas the Tester because he was the one who wanted positive proof, proof that would absolutely prove that Jesus was alive. Thomas did us a great favor by insisting on the only proof that would prove that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead was to be seen bodily. We only need to see if he did indeed get that proof. The Apostle John tells us that he did. John writes that Jesus did in fact appear to Thomas eight days later and offered himself to be examined. When Thomas saw the holes in the hands of Jesus and put his hand in his side, he was thoroughly convinced and fell down and worshipped his resurrected Lord. My Lord, my God, these are the words of a Jew. You never, never were such words heard in the mouth of a Jew concerning a man. My Lord, my God. The apostle Paul writes that Jesus was seen by Peter, then the twelve or the eleven, and then to five hundred witnesses at once. Of these 500 witnesses, he writes that the majority of them were still alive 26 years later. Now that's a lot of witnesses. How many witnesses does the world need to believe that Jesus did indeed rise from the grave? How much evidence do the critics need? The fact of the matter is, even if Jesus himself appeared to these critics, they still would not believe because their hearts are hard and darkened with sin. Only God can open their spiritual eyes. But let's examine the source of the evidence. The law says that the testimony of an eyewitness is a supreme testimony to an event. An eyewitness is one who saw something firsthand with his own eyes and can establish the events as fact. But can we believe the testimony of the Bible witnesses? 
There is no indication that we should not. Their testimony has never been challenged. In fact, just the reverse has happened. People have attempted to invent excuses to explain away their testimony, but they never discredit it. These people were never convicted of being untrustworthy. Their character has never been questioned. In fact, if you recall, even the disciples did not at first believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. They were a small group of scared, grieving men who had just lost their leader and who were fearful for their lives because they were known to be his followers. But look at how they changed after the resurrection. They were no longer grieving or afraid. Now they were bold and proactive, preaching that Christ was resurrected without fear, either of death or being proved that they were wrong. Notice carefully now. They were beaten and put in prison for their belief and preaching that Christ had risen from the grave. But they never changed their story. They never changed their testimony. Most of them were killed for their faith in Christ and preaching the resurrection. But this did not deter the others from believing and preaching that same truth, that same message. In fact, the book of Acts shows that this was their major message and they preached it under the threat prison or death. Now why would they do this if they knew that Jesus had not in fact risen from the dead? Only an insane person would continue to tell a story that was untrue when he was threatened with death. But if the story were in fact true, if it really did happen, then nothing could prevent them from preaching it. It was a message that was worth facing death for. If that was the only way it could be proclaimed. Listen to this passage of scripture. If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him up if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ is not being raised either. And if Christ is not being raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have Christ, we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Beloved, on this glorious resurrection morning, be assured that our faith in Christ is not in vain. We are not men most miserable. Our faith is supported by facts, irrefutable facts, facts that will withstand examination, facts that have stood for 2,000 years and will stand for eternity. Now, if you are a believer, then these facts of the resurrection should cause your faith to be strengthened. If you are an unbeliever, then these facts of the resurrection should cause you to examine the basis for your unbelief. The facts are the facts. If you don't believe them, it is because you choose not to believe what has been proven to be true. And that, my friend, is not logical thinking. I close with the words of the Apostle John. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Do you believe? Selah. Think and act on these things.
been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. The program Calvary Bible Time with Pastor Jacel Thompson will be aired on ZNS2 at 10 o'clock this morning. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, Address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. i